before getting to value, what I call value disengagement, um, again, getting away from sometimes overwhelmingly effortful experience and also value balancing is that my theory of Ikigai and Ikiken is very dynamic. So you can't do, for example, effort, 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 and you can increase, increase, increase your Ikigai. And there's, there's a kind of delicate balance between them. That is leisure researcher and assistant professor of Alberta University, Shintaro Kono. And this is episode four of the Ikigai podcast. Find your Ikigai at ikigaitribe.com. Hey, it's Nick Kemp here from ikigaitribe.com with episode four of the Ikigai podcast. In this episode, I interview assistant professor Shintaro Kono of Alberta University. Dr. Kono has a PhD in sport and recreation, and his research revolves around the relationship between leisure engagement and Ikigai. I hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, I'm speaking to Professor Shintaro Kono. And Shin, you're an associate professor at the University of Alberta in Canada in the Department of Kinesiology, Sport and Recreation. And you're also an expert in leisure behavior science. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Nick, for inviting. Um, I'm happy to be uh, to join here today. Just a quick quick note: I'm not an assist- associate professor; I'm an assistant professor. So, oh, sorry, that's what I'm working. That's that's good. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm dreaming about. You know, being associate professor and getting tenure and all. But uh, it's good to hear sometimes. You know, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you'll get there. My, my Thank apologies. you. No problem. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you <laughs> go from being born and living in Japan to being being an assistant professor at the University of Alberta. Sure. Um, well, I was born and raised in Japan um, for about 21 years. I did my uh, bachelor degree in Japan at uh, Goto Tokai University. That's the only university, I think, even now that has a department of sports and leisure management, Some anything to do with the leisure specifically. And I went to our, my master's degree in Illinois, Urban-Champaign. Um, that's what I did. I was, the degree was about the recreation, sports, and tourism. And um, I found this uh, supervisor, my doctoral supervisor, his name is Gordon Walker. He retired recently, but he was working at the University of Alberta. Um, I liked his work about their leisure and well-being and some of the cultural differences to autonomy uh, for a PhD. And that's how I ended up being at the University of Alberta. Um, yeah, that's how I got here. Why did you choose leisure as your focus of study? I think one of the reason is that um, when I was uh, when I was choosing my, choosing my major, you know, when I was high school student, I wanted to do something that's not common, not like psychology, sociology, economics that the other people are doing. Uh, so I wanted to be unique. And at first, I wanted to do sports psychology, actually, and coaching and all that kind of stuff. And I went to this, uh, what is called Open Campus. That's an event where, you know, high schoolers can go and, uh, you know, kind of sample their, you know, lecturers and professors and see if the degree is fit for you. And I did that with the Tokai, and their sports psychology was not really a good fit, fit for me because I was not a great athlete, which is okay. a prerequisite. Um, I was okay, but I was not great. That I happened to attend this lecture by... Um, my bachelor degree 
uh, supervisor actually uh, to be. His name is Dr. Jin Nishino, and he got a degree from Illinois too, PhD. But anyway, he talked about leisure and this new field, and you know, he talked about Disney and all the sports and tourism and fancy stuff. And I got just hooked uh, in a way and inspired. Yeah, well, it sounds like a good area to study uh, leisure. Found doing lots of case studies. I see it is that uh, we talk about many other things in life, work especially. You know how mm-hmm. we can make we can be more productive, um, and we can make the you know quality of life better, work life balance, if you will. But we don't really talk about leisure. We talk about leisure as in sort of like we can get recover from the stress and uh, being tired from work and get back to work. The focus here is the work. But really, I mean, you know, I, I hope that we actually work, most of us at least, work, you know, to live, not live, you know, have leisure to work. So um, I'm happy to study leisure. And that's what I keep doing, talk, telling people that leisure is important. Certainly is important. So let's relate this to to Ikigai, which is the subject of this podcast. So Ikigai Mm -hmm. is greatly misunderstood outside of Japan with people believing it to be a framework of doing something that you love, that you're good at, that the world needs, and that you can get paid for. So how would you define Ikigai? Ikigai in Japanese means two things. One is the, uh, the fittings that you have a life worth living. The other aspect is that contributors, you know, something that make you feel that way. And those are things that are more, you know, tends to be more tangible in a way that there are activities that can be work too. You know, it can be work, it can be hobbies though. Uh, it can be relationship, it can be your community, um, organization, relationship with the organization, things like that too. So there are two aspects. One is a feeling of it. The other one is the, uh, what I call sources of guy. In terms of feeling, I would say, uh, this very, very central to the Ikigai is that this, what I call life affirmation, but the feeling that you have a life that's worth living. What I want to emphasize here is that it's not about, life here is not about this metaphoric idea, you know, metaphysical idea of life as a philosophy. You know, it's just, okay. it's not the year, how many, you know, dozens of years. It's about daily life, that daily life. life you have now you know, today or maybe this week or this month. It usually tends to be very short-term, I, uh, I ask in a survey. But does this, is this worth living? You know, get, you get up, you want to get going with it. Or you feel like, oh, no, today I work up, I have to do this. You know, you're sort of like hesitant and they're not motivated um, sort of thing. So that's the uh, central part of the guy feeling. And so in your, in your study, as you just previously mentioned, you, you, you touch on Ikigai sources. So I guess yeah. they're the, the things we can identify. So it could be in my case, maybe I could say it's, it's my son. Mm-hmm. And then the, what you define as Ikigai perception mm-hmm. or which other feelings I would have, I guess, as being a father in my, my relationship with my son and, and, I guess the things I ex- experience from my relationship with my son. Yeah, exactly. That there, that your life is meaningful, that some, somehow valuable. And it's not that, you know, um, valuable in a sense that it can be translated into money or something, mm. but it's just that you personally, subjectively, you, you value it. That's what it matters. Mm. Um, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, it should be applicable to, you know, whether you have a job or not, you know, you can, you know, theoretically not have a job, but still you can feel that your life is worth living. Um, 
uh, and also many other um, sociodemographic characteristics. Uh, and of course, a million dollar question to me is that how those two things are related to each other, you know, in what mechanisms? Because mm-hmm. those, we want to identify those sources of Ikigai and we want to understand the mechanism from that to the perception of Ikigai feelings so that we can increase the feelings of Ikigai. So that's what I try to do. And I think, uh, well, my argument here is that leisure is one of those. And a lot of people think work is Ikigai, but um, yeah, leisure is a big chunk of Ikigai as well. Well, you, you think it would be, especially once uh, people retire. And, and I guess when people retire, if they've, they've had children at that age, their children will probably be independent. So mm-hmm. I guess people who are in their mid to late 60s, they're going to have a lot of time. And obviously leisure is a, an area they can explore fully in their lives. So in, in your study that I, I, I read, you talked about three theories. I, I found them really insightful and, and interesting. So would you like to introduce those, those three Ikigai theories in, in relation to your findings on leisure? Sure. Um, so well, the first theory and everything comes, you know, there are three core concepts, if you will. The one of them is what I call keiken. In Japanese, it means literary experience. Uh, in English, I would say that it's a valued um, experience uh, in a way that personally you value. And also, of course, that means that, you know, it should be valued in a society, in a group and all that kind of stuff as well. We identify specifically four key types of experience value, and one being enjoyment or mm-hmm. tanoshimi in Japanese, and second is effort, making effort, uh, or ganbari in Japanese. The third is stimulation or shigeki in Japanese, is doing something new. Yep. And the last is comfort or iashi, uh, feeling relaxed and being who you are and things like that. Um, so we found that each of those four types of experiences contribute to ikigai feeling, and that's not you know surprising. Uh, probably I shouldn't get into that uh, each theory yet, but it's yep. basically keiken is about here and now. It's a personal life, your personal experience at this current you know life. And the second theory is a hoku, what I call hokusei. Uh, in Japanese, hokusei that means what I call life directionality. It's about the temporal or, you know, over time, it's, it's a temporal aspect of Ikigai. So from past to present life to the future, the question here is, can you make some sort of association between how, you know, how past experiences contributed to who you are now and what you're doing and then how that leads to or how you think leads to your future goals? And the last one is their, what I call it, ibasha or interpersonal authentic uh, relationship. It's really interpersonal dimension of your our ikigai. Um, so now again, it, it begins with keiken again. So the really keiken is their core and heart of my ikigai theories. But in ibasha theory, basically what's what it's saying that yes, it's great that you have a valuable experience. Now the question is, can you? Can you share them with close adder? Maybe your case, maybe your son, for example. Can you share it with him in such a way that uh, it 
basically he values values it too. Uh, one way is to just include them, involve that person into the same activity, do it together. Or the other way is to tell them about their, you know, what's going on in your KKN or valued experiences, and you get the feedback. You know, it's an indirect way of sharing anyway. So three theories: KKN is about here and now, personal life. Hoko say is over time, temporal aspect. Um, and Ibasho is the sort of like interpersonal dimension of it. So I see three or well, two dimension, temporal, interpersonal, and really the core is a KKN. And it's based on uh, the more values you collect, basically, mm. from enjoyment, effort, stimulation, comfort. Arguably, the better. Your Ikigai level gets higher because you have more things to ground your uh, perception of Ikigai into it. And, uh, and that leads to what I call value diversification, that you, have, you, want to, you want to not to have, for example, 10 enjoyable experiences. You'd rather want to have, for example, two of enjoyment, two of uh, effort, two of stimulation, two of comfort, so that you have four you know, um, exper- you know, experience values represented in your life at a time. So that's one thing. You can do that by having different experiences totally. Like, for example, athletics do effort. Let's say you also hang out with the friends, which is enjoyment. That kind of stuff, you can do that. Another thing you can do it is actually you can have, you can identify different values in one dominant experience. For example, again, athletics. Let's use an example of athletics because okay. it's so dominant, investing a lot of time. Practice, practicing sports can be very much effortful. Yes. But at the same time, if you think about the sports, you know, there are some casual hanging out with their teammates and stuff like that. So you can identify some of the enjoyment. Um, well, you can feel so much comfort, comforted and relaxed with their teammates because you spend so much time with them. But at the same time, if you, for example, travel to a new place because of a tournament, that could give, that could give you, that could give you uh, some stimulating experience as well. So that if you actually can recognize those different aspects and their different types of value in one experience, you can still maintain a high level of Ikigai, arguably, because of that diversified values. Hey there, Nick Kemp here, and I wanted to touch base and let you know about my new course, the Find Your Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. If you are interested in learning more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com. Now back to the episode. Understand? Yeah, when I was reading your dissertation, I, I was thinking this, this information is so valuable especially things like effort and comfort. I think if we, we put in effort, we have a sense of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We like familiarity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, new stimuli adds to our life value. And, of course, we, we want to enjoy the things we do in our leisure mm-hmm. time. And so you, you discovered experience value diversification. But mm-hmm. with that, you also discovered students needed value balancing yes so would you like to touch on that as well sure uh, it was funny because well we i identify after several interviews we did basically 27 interviews in total but 
after a couple interviews, I noticed students are talking about those things, enjoyment, effort, stimulation, and comfort to an extent, and I could see that. Now, they talked about two at a time often, uh, in this case, enjoyment and effort. For example, two, those values are very con you know, uh, contrasting to them, a lot of students. So they would talk about their, those two things together and making the balance between them. And also they talked about the balance between stimulation, stimuli, and comfort as well. It makes sense in a way, enjoyment is about, you know, not thinking about long-term, just having, you know, really enjoying here and now, basically. Uh, effort being, it's a challenging, you know, it's, it could be stressful in a short, short term, but really making efforts and, you know, overcoming challenges think while thinking about long-term accomplishments so it can be you know you can understand how those things can be polarizing in a way uh, in a way again stimulation is a new things and comfort is more of an old thing you know ordinary things so that makes sense it's kind of opposite to each other um, what we discovered and it was surprising in the case of the uh, quantitative uh, number-based survey study results is that even after we take into account of the effect of those four values independently, right? Enjoyment, effort, stimulation, comfort. Even after that, those value balancing, we also measure the balance between those enjoyment, effort, and stimulation and comfort. They also had a positive and significant impact on our ikigai fitting. So that's significant. And the same thing goes with the value diversification. Even after we consider the independent effect of those four different types of experience value, having making a balance consciously making a balance of it that's very important for ikigai i'm glad you highlighted that point so consciously making an effort to balance those four value characteristics when we engage in alesha we often don't really think about it we just obviously we just want to enjoy it but consciously thinking about it would probably in, enhance the experience and our appreciation of what we're doing yeah so that's the characteristic of what I mean by value engagement and value, you know, uh, valued experience in a way that partially it's about what you do. You know, it's an experience. You got to do something. You can't have a great experience by, you know, sitting in a college and just thinking about it. You got to get out and do it. Um, but partially it's about cognition. And I mean, what do you think? And also, you know, what do you feel uh, about it too? So my work is, I mean, informed by psychology work, but at the same time, there is some you know, uh, behavioral experiential aspect of it too. So that, you know, I'm saying that here, both are important, really. I see. Um, you also discovered that students needed to disengage mm -hmm. experiences, especially um, effortful ones, which I guess makes sense. We, we do need to sometimes switch off and, and take a break from, I guess, from everything in life. Before getting to value, what I call value disengagement, um, Again, getting away from sometimes overwhelmingly effortful experience and also value balancing is that my theory of Ikigai and Ikiken is very dynamic. So you can't do, for example, effort, 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 and you can increase, increase, increase your Ikigai. And there's, there's a kind of delicate balance between them. So it's not um, you know, a continuum and one is absolutely negative, the other side is absolutely positive. There is somewhere in the middle optimal situation and you have to make yourself uh, align there and that's that's actually more difficult 
And a lot of theories out there, I mean, lots of psychology, behavioral, you know, all that kind of behavioral science theories, they're in a, more, in a way more simplistic in a way that do this, this is positively related, do it. But, you know, more newer research, recent uh, research, and including my Kigai KK theory is that, no, there is a balance. There is a synergistic effect. There is something going on. So that's, this is part of that too. Um, and again, just like you said, you know, effortful experience can be just daunting, you know. What's important is not actually keep doing it, but also take a step away from it. And often this is, again, leisure's unique position because um, it provides you a, if you will, breather in your life. That you can take a step back and not think about it, have fun. But here, it's a little bit different from enjoyment because enjoyment is what we seek. Effort becoming too much, you want to get away from it. That's the purpose. And usually you go for something, you know, enjoyable or comfort, comforting. And now you get back to it. The point is that you have this, the purpose of getting back to the, you know, challenging experience, effortful experience. It's not total escapism, if that makes sense. It, it does make sense. I, I guess it, it leads towards, as you just mentioned, comfort. So if you, if you dis- disengage from mm-hmm. effortful activities that give you purpose or leisure, yeah. Taking a break from them gives you a, 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 the comfort you need to obviously re-engage with them later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, we, we briefly touched on Ikigai perception um, and your, your Keiken theory ex, um, experience identified uh, two types. So t- two types of Ikigai perceptions. Could you ex- explain those? Yep. Uh, one is what I call the most central, which is life affirmation, that your life is, daily life is worth living. And that here life means daily life. You know, it's not about life as an entirety, but it's about, you know, maybe weeks or months or something. Um, and then value here doesn't mean it's objective, you know, monetary uh, value, but it's about um, basically subjective value. And it's often based on the value of experiences that you have. The other ikigai feeling uh, in this kick theory is um, what I call life vibrancy. When you have lots of valuable experiences, when you wake up, what you want to do is just get there, get, get out of the home as soon as possible and get to the experiences, whatever that might be. Maybe that's work, maybe that's a, you know, having coffee with your friends, whatever that might be. So um, that, you know, you're motivated for those experiences. And what happened is that when you have many valuable experiences, that positive motivation spilled out to the entire life. It's not just you're motivated for one particular activity or event, but that, you know, you can identify those people that you can, in your life, you can see your friends or family member who are just so, you know, energetic. And that you can see that things are going well in their life. And that's what we mean, that the life is, is surrounded by different types of experience values. It's a rich, rich, very rich and dynamic, energetic life. And that's life vibrancy. Yes, when I read life vibrancy, I thought, man, that's such a cool term or distinction. I think it'd be, it could become almost a buzzword um, if, if you were to publish <laughs> a book or something, life vibrancy. <laughs> It just sounds so, so cool. So those touching on those two points, again, life affirmation and, and life vibrancy. Mm-hmm. 
And there were two conditions you discovered that I think people could immediately apply to their life to help them find Ikigai. And they were value understanding and, and action. Yeah. So un- understanding that, that referred to the type of experience is valuable in a, in a given life circumstance. Yeah. And action, obviously, the, the ability to act on opportunity for a, a yeah. potentially valuable experience without mm-hmm. hesitation. So you, you found all these amazing key distinctions or, or points. And I think it's important that we can help our listeners maybe find something they can use. So mm-hmm. those two points really stood out for me, value, understanding, and, and action. Yep. What advice could you offer or what would you like to touch on in regard to those two points? One takeaway here is that you don't have to do anything, but you might want to think about at a given point of your life, you know, over life, what do you see? Maybe you might want to write down those things and just uh, think about what's the ideal ratio just without thinking about anything. But of course, this ideal ratio has to be influenced by something like, you know, um, personal social situation, like your family obligations. Maybe visualizing those ratio would uh, put you in a position that actually you're not doing so bad, for example. You think that maybe you're not having so much enjoyment right now or comfort so now, uh, so much now or stimuli, stimulation so, now, so much now. But you realize, well, I'm at this point of life that it's actually good that I'm focusing on effort. Or, or comfort or whatever that might be that will guide you in terms of which experience to buy and to pursue in terms of action is its ability to just basically it's a Nike slogan you know just do it just do it, um, it yes it's funny because um, I'm, I'm a type of person who tend to overthink things um, mm-hmm. but a lot of my interviewees were like um, you know Shin if you want to have a guy you just have to do it because their rationale here was that you never know the true value of experience until you actually fully explore it. Actually, you do it, right? Yes. So, and I, I totally see that. So really, um, it's not about be strategic about, uh, you know, experience value, which was about the value understanding. But the other side of it is that there is uncertainty. You never know fully. So just do it if there's a good opportunity. And what happened usually is that for most of the time, actually, you value what you do. You know, after you're doing it, you realize there is some value to it too. So that you get to, you know, um, value those experiences too. So really, if you are not sure, just do something. Yeah, if you, you may have some thoughts. But it's uh, my theory to an extent suggests that, you know, there is a value to just doing it. So we could say that there's value in being spontaneous. Yes. 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 Which kind of goes back to the leisure and their play, if you will, that uh, there is so much research going on right now that being play and playfulness, um, being able to play and playfulness mm. uh, is actually very valuable um, for adults as well, not just kids. I think that's, that is a new area of study and research. And I have found recently there are even almost like life coaches who specialize in, in play for adults. Mm-hmm. And they say you, you almost need to become the child again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Shin. So a few more questions. So we'll, we'll wrap up soon. 
Yeah. What What advice do you have for people in regard to finding ikigai in leisure activities? I, I know we've we've touched on a lot of information. So mm-hmm. what's what's maybe the first step? Um, well, I think you know we have to kind of go back to the uh, the conditions of ikigai. Two things we talked about about the understanding and action. So particularly, I mean, just you know the Nike thing that just do it. I think that's just uh, very important. Um, if you have some opportunity, maybe your you know your school has some your, your community has some new program. Maybe you want to check it out. Uh, facility, check it out. Uh, your wife or your partner asks for you to do do some new activity. Well, let's see what's go, what's about it, um, sort of thing. So just doing it uh, could be a very powerful tool. And also, um, what I wanted to say specifically in terms of leisure and the uniqueness of leisure uh, is that maybe I found leisure is um, very unique in terms of how flexible it is in terms of the way we can value it. For example, think about work. How many of us actually can find a true enjoyment in it? And again, making an assumption here, but if you're working at the McDonald's, you know, yes. can you really, really, really enjoy it? What about the stimulation? Can you get, when you're making, um, you know, French fries for like hundreds of time, mm-hmm. is, can you make a stimulating experience out of it, for example? But leisure is this spot in your life where you can explore many different things, even leisure, which seems very, you know, least effortful. A lot of people actually make a lot of efforts you know, serious hobbyists, you know, those people who collect something seriously, for example, mm-hmm. they make s- tremendous efforts sometimes. Yes. So really leisure is like a, uh, in a trunk, you know, card, playing cards, you know, it's like a joker in a way that your life has other experience values. And then you identify that, oh, there's this missing. And leisure may be the area you can actually get that one, whether you're initiating a new leisure activity or, you know, tweaking, you know, getting more serious, for example, about the existing leisure activity, whatever that might be. So I think in that way, leisure is very interesting life domain. So I hope that people can think leisure that way, not just like, oh, it's just a leftover of my life. I will do whatever. I will watch TV. Not like that, but it's actually very, very, it's, it's the strongest card, you know, suit in a way, the joker. So if you think that way, maybe leisure can benefit your ikigai. Well, it sounds like leisure is perhaps the, the easiest and, and less complicated way to find ikigai mm-hmm. in life. Because as you mentioned, work works complicated. Most, most people would, would struggle to find daily ikigai in their work. Mm-hmm. Um, family, you probably have the most intense positive experiences with your family, but we also know that family's complicated and that there are lots of problems with, with family. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me that leisure would be a great place to start to find ikigai. Yes. So finally, what's your ikigai? In terms of leisure, I, uh, I tend to play badminton seriously recently. Oh, wow. So uh, badminton is fun. Uh, I try to get better with it, uh, so I make an effort. In terms of work, I mean, this being professor is really fun to me. It's it's enjoyable. It's what I think I feel privileged actually to be able to have a job where you can I can find a true enjoyment in it too. It, it it's definitely effortful. 
it's also a lot of stimulating experience that I can do uh, different things, uh, meeting different people, doing different research. And lastly, I think in terms of comfort, it's really, I have to say, it's really about the things that I do with my wife. We've been married for two, more than two years, and it's been really nice. And, you know, just spending time with her, you know, nothing special, um, talking, having dinner, uh, cooking together, and all that kind of experiences just makes me feel who I am. And that's very comforting for me. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of ikigai in your life. I hope so. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, would definitely love to have you back on the show, perhaps sometime in the future. Sounds great. Gretchen, thank you so much for your time today. This episode was brought to you by the Find Your Ikigai course. Developed in consultation with Japan's leading Ikigai researchers, the Find Your Ikigai course is the only culturally accurate and evidence-based practical guide to the Ikigai concept. To learn more about the Find Your Ikigai course, please visit ikigaitribe.com.